Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? All right, so welcome to a special supermoon edition of the Backwards Infect. Who am I? Got a little supermoon action coming at us tonight um, on the on the heels of a couple experiences that I've had. Um, I talked about last podcast, they, I guess if you want to label it, the divine mother winking at me. And I've, I've changed some things in my practice to make it more simplistic. And anytime that I, I felt like progression has stopped i've always fell back into just be still and know there's a couple things i've added to that and i got validation from this podcast that i'm listening to for the second time which i do want to mention again but basically last night i was laying down as i always do and I really have no goals other than to what we've talked about, relax into my body. So energy wise, you know, start my body, feeling my body, aware of my body, aware of the energy that's inside my body. And that's basically all I'm doing. And then um, on top of that, I'm maintaining my awareness where my mind's eye is at. So, and yes, there are thoughts that are coming in and out. Um, eventually, you know, you can relax into like complete, um, where you're not getting this, those distraction as much. It feels like if you settle in for like 20 or 30 minutes, then you kind of reach a state where the thoughts become less intrusive, um, or less annoying, um, just because you're imprints from the subconscious all day and whatever you may need to unravel too that happened. I mean, I'm not saying it's a negative thing. If you have a job or a career, you're going to have impressions on your subconscious. So when you lay down or be still quiet for the first time during that day, you're, you're going to have things that it's almost like retrospection. You're going back almost naturally, like I did this today, I did this today, which is not a bad thing because it's, as long as you're aware of it, it is allowing you to practice awareness of the mind's eye. It may not be the super high dimension divine mother that you're seeing, but you're at least seeing yourself in day-to-day activities. So you're practicing that. Do you think, do you think a beginner like knows where to look to have awareness of the mind's eye. No, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, but for a beginner, I mean, like I said on last podcast, I always feel like a beginner. I mean, I, it, I, I try to main that level of, humbleness that when I lay down, I know 
I know that there's a curtain a lot of times in my mind's eye. And and my whole thing is no goal, but I know there's a peeling back of the curtain. There's a moment where the curtain's peeled back. So the mind's eye really in the beginning is shutting your eyes and you see the back of your eyelids. But the key is if you, you're going to go off into thought in the beginning stages. So when you're seeing yourself during the day, that's your mind's eye. As soon as your awareness kicks in, you're like, oh, that's my mind's eye. I'm replaying some things I did today. It's not some magical experience yet, but you at least get the concept of the mind's eye is sometimes blank. And then you could you could play with that a little bit, right? You could say like, imagine a beach ball or like, imagine the vacation I just took, or like you could, you could put something in the mind's eye and then wait till it's gone. And then understand your awareness is on that space. Yes. Perfect. Uh, perfect things to play around with. One thing that helped me last night, I think I didn't realize Gene had a new video out. Little short video, 25 minutes. I think it's two weeks old, but um, I now pretty much check in like every two weeks with Gene just to see if there's one out. And there happened to be one out that uh, came out two weeks ago. And the one thing that sparked my interest, this is kind of right before I went to bed was retrospection of not your day, but your whole life. So before I had this experience, I was retrospecting my whole life. So you mentioned mind's eye. Like, do people know that? Retrospection is familiar. So if you lay down and you say, I want to be still and I want to practice retrospection, and you use your life. Everybody has a life. Everybody has life experiences. So if that's somewhat easy to accomplish practicing the mind's eye, because you, you can go back in, in your time, in your life. And instead of like going in it in a begrudging way, as you may have always done, you know, starting from when you're a child, you're now going back in awareness. So you go back in awareness and, you know, start with the first memories of what you can. And what he was saying in the video is that you can actually go back to remembering your birth. And so that's what I was doing when I was going to sleep. I was practicing a lot of things. Basically, a lot of the profound things that have happened in my mind's eye is when I was practicing retrospection. Because yeah. it's so good at hold, holding. Like if I say a beach ball and I want to see a beach ball, it's it can almost get annoying because you're like, I see the beach. Oh, it's gone. Okay, let me see the beach ball again. Okay, it's gone. So it's like this juggling act. But with your own life, if you can maintain awareness and separate separate yourself from the emotion, it's a beautiful practice of just holding the mind's eye because mm -hmm. at least you can do is watch a movie of your life. Mm -hmm. 
So as I'm going to sleep, I'm doing retrospection, right? And I'm in like stage one or whatever. And I do a little shift with my head to my left. And as I shift to my left, it's as though my consciousness shifted. And the only way I can explain it in words is it's not fully conscious, like out of the body, but it's like remote viewing where you're there and you're peeking into a higher dimension and it's taking up the whole screen of my mind's eye. Like it's bam, it's in there. It's I've turned to my left and I'm like, and the first thing you want to do is react. It's very hard to take in like higher dimensions because they're so thrilling that Mm -hmm. you like, it's like veering off the side of the road and then you want to jerk back. And then when they teach you in driver's ed is when you go off the road, don't jerk back, relax, and just slowly come back. So I'm practicing that. And it's the same thing as with the Divine Mother. I was able to hold it for about three seconds. This one was different because I saw three large red ribbons that like stripes. One, two, three. Right? And they were like you know, kind of like flags. So there were, there's kind of some motion to them. And behind it was just beautiful scenery. And I'm, and, you know, Patty was laying right next to me and I was just, I came out of it and I was like in awe again. I was like, I can't believe I just peeked behind the curtain again because my whole thing has been relax, know that there's a curtain up, first of all. And then, you know, knock at the door and knocking at the door is just, it's just being there and being still. So then I wake up and for those of you who don't know, there is a group, an astral doorway on discord. It's a, it's a group that's not a cult. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, I bet. I bet people would argue that point. People would argue that point. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. Um, But there's, man, we could do a whole podcast on that. (laughs) Yep. There is a stark difference. And yeah, I mean, I I don't know if we'll go too deep into that, but there is a Gnostic teachings that just started about two weeks ago. If I could tell you the level of participation in this, like, People would ask Gene questions daily, 10, 15, 20. He loaded up a bot, and it's the database of Samuel M. Weir, the Gnostic mm-hmm. teachings, like everything. And you know how much content is there, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to use my experiences and then ask this bot from the Gnostic teachings, what it means. Because obviously I'm like three red ribbons. It's got to have some kind of significance. Um, So I did. I explained just what I explained to you, what I saw. And it spit out a couple paragraphs. And I can read it here quickly. But the vision of three red ribbons that you experienced during your meditation holds symbolic sig- significance. In the language of esotericism, 
Esotericism. That's like, Exotericism. Exotericism. That's a tongue twister. The color red represents the vital energy, the fury force that animates all living beings. The ribbon symbolizes the different channels or pathways through which the vital energy flows within your body. The fact that you saw three ribbons indicates the presence of three main energies, also known as nadis or meridians, which are fundamental in various spiritual traditions. These three energy channels are associated with the three primary forces of creation, positive, negative, and neutral. They are responsible for the manifestation and movement of energy within your being. The beautiful scenery you perceived behind the ribbon signifies the harmonious and balanced state of your inner world when these energy channels are flowing freely and in harmony. This vision is a positive sign indicating that you are in tune with the vital energy and that your meditation practice is bringing you closer to a state of inner equilibrium and spiritual awakening. Damn. So last couple of weeks I've, I've backed off <clears throat> a lot as far as <clears throat> goals or like, like hardcore discipline or wh- whatever you want to call it. And then yesterday, my favorite podcast of all time is on wisdom weavers and it's called the mind wants a master, the soul wants a lover. Is that correct? I think so, yeah. It is outstanding. And I cannot say enough about this man because I listened to her the second time and I'll probably, you know, depending on how far I reach, you know, for the year from now, I'm still in the same boat. I'll listen to it again. It is that good. And that inspirational, but it's a different kind of inspiration. It's not like a motivational speaker. It is someone who really had no cultural influences, doesn't have a religious or spiritual background. And a lot of the things I've been doing, it completely validated with me because there is one thing different that I'm doing. And this is taught across the board is when I'm relaxing, I'm focusing, you know, I'll go through my body and my legs, but after about 20 minutes, I'm zeroed in on my root. That's my main source of energy. Today, what validated me is, and I think I even told you this on the last podcast, I hadn't listened to it yet, but it's complete validation. Your awareness needs energy plain and simple you can lay down or you can meditate right now and meditate and you're going to have sufficient energy to spiritually awaken yourself in that stage one and relieve yourself of pain when you talk about higher dimensions or forming the solar body or projecting yourself into higher dimensions, your awareness has to have energy, just like gasoline in a car. And the only thing I've been doing on doing is focusing on my root. And I'm not trying to force up energy to my head. I'm just 
<clears throat> aware of it, like letting it pulsate in the general direction of my brain. And you can also send that pulsation down your legs. So it's, it's called the root for a reason. And how he articulates it and what he's done with no affiliation with the Christ or Buddha, but now totally in love with the divine because of his experiences and wanting to explain it scientifically. It's good to listen because he talks about things like things like hydrogen, uh, like, you know, food and water, food, having half hydrogen, uh, water, having double the amount of, of what food has, but then it's all in relation to now you take that to spirituality the energy that it takes for you to progress into like the astral plane is completely like sexual energy completely like it has to have energy. So I've meditated for years, years just based on, you know, that level one spirituality, like he even talks about it. There's plenty of people that, you know, awaken to get free of pain in this life. And then they're able to teach other people, but it hits so hard with me because the level of progression, it's like, there's, even as I talk now, like my root is vibrating. Like I'm, I've been so focused on it. And then sometimes I'll go down with the family and I'm not even really deciding to meditate. Like it's six 30, a couple of nights ago, I'm sitting there and I'm starting to get so much energy that I'm literally like, I, I need to go meditate. This, this energy levels too, too high. So I'm making decision, not based on, Oh, I gotta go freaking meditate, which I've been there before. I'm making decision based on I'm feeling my level of energy is elevated. You got to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really cool. Uh, I can tell you're fired up. It's funny because I got off the phone with you today and you asked me if you're going to listen to Osho and I turned Osho on. And it's mostly for you and I, because I mean, nobody is really paying attention to us, you know, all day, every day. But I turned Osho on and he gave this lecture on giving up. Are you serious? I swear to God. You and Osho have some kind of like special connection. And it was the most moving thing I have heard in a long time, because he... There's something about him where he's like daring me. He's just, he's like, if, if you feel like you need to give up, you, you just need to do it totally, totally give up, give up all your goals, give up all your destination, give up all your discipline, completely give up. And he was talking to me and I was just the hairs are going up on the back of my head. I was just like, Holy cow. Like I, his ability to hit me with messages in the right moment is 
I mean, at this point, it's just, it's off the charts. What is the give up though? Like, is he ultimately pushing you to lay down? Like a month ago, like I told you earlier, when you told me right before we started, you were like, there was nothing. I just wanted to be quiet. I just wanted to be still. I just wanted, there's nothing, nothing. And I, your discipline for a while was like pushing me, but it was like, it was like that thing, like, I need to go meditate again. I need to go meditate. Like, instead of it, like me feeling the energy, I'm like, whoa, it's time to go meditate. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I I was very different. I was feeling that discipline, but for you, is that, what is he pushing you towards? Isn't it like some kind of complete surrender from my view, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So he, uh, he tells this beautiful story. He tells this beautiful story of a guy looking for a master in the Himalayas. And it's this long drawn out story. And the guy spends, you know, years upon years looking for this master in the Himalayas and goes deeper and deeper into the Himalayas and finds out where he just was. And like the master isn't there and just lays down there. And now he realizes he's never going to find the master and he's just deep in the Himalayas and he just stops. There is no more goal. There's no more master to find. There's no more. And that's when he becomes enlightened when he realizes he's never going to find the man's master. So it's yeah. that story. I mean, he tells multiple stories like that and it's, it's all the same thing. He's just trying to tell you like, and you can see where he must be surrounded by very fired up spiritual people who are constantly trying to like figure out how to push the progression. And I can definitely relate to that. Like most of the pieces of progression that I feel I mean, they're just over in a snap of a finger. And I'm like, let's go. Let's the next, the next, you know, and like even waking up in the dream, it's like, okay, I got it. Like, let, let's move on. Like it's, there's always this like force behind it where it's really, it's just hunger for that original state. That's really all it is. It's just yeah you just described yourself the himalaya story i mean that's you and you just want to get back there and so i mean you just make a deal with yourself i'll do whatever it takes because you know all it is is like disciplinary stuff but then after you when you start the disciplinary stuff like you don't know if you're treading over old ground like part of the realization has already been had and that's why I felt like this message from Osho Day was like so lovingly like right to me because he was just saying, give up. He said it over and over again. He's but like, just give up. Yeah, you keep saying the discipline thing and it's discipline, but it's not discipline. It's like paradoxical. Like that word is screwy. Yeah. That word is screwy because it's like discipline is like, you know, I got to go to the gym at seven o'clock every morning and work out till eight. Like I got to go 
do this regimented every time. Like it's like the opposite of that, but it still is discipline. But the word is weird. Like that's, it's a weird word. It's paradoxical. It's not the same. It's the same thing that, I mean, we were talking about recently, like it's, it's the ego and the ego, the ego's ability to inflate. So as we talk about egos, I mean, some are bigger than others. And the ones who get a hold of like big knowledge, those are the dangerous ones. Cause those are the ones that you can't get out of. Those are the ones that you're so caught in the identity of. So you think the whole time you're chasing some kind of progression and you don't realize like the amount of the amount of energy you're losing through the process of like understanding the progression. It's, it's all being claimed by the ego at that point, but it this, that ego, I mean, it's, it's a better ego than what it was before, but it doesn't matter. It's still ego. And what it's doing is it's just claiming all of it as its own knowledge. But when you go back to the original state, there is no knowledge. It's anti-knowledge. It just is. Yeah, it's really anti-discipline. It's anti-discipline. Like you try to grab any of that and write that stuff down, like you're good. It's not going to, it's not going to translate. So you, like, you just define spiritual materialism. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause I mean, you're talking to trees one day and then the next day, like you're trying to explain that you're talking to trees. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, there's nothing to explain. Like the experience is so rooted and, and the truth is out of the experience itself. And so as soon as you're out of that and you're like, and now how do I get back in that? That whole process of how do you get back in that is very, very tricky because the ego is very cunning. The ego knows how to take wins there. The ego knows how to gain ground there. And that that's where like the whole message from Osho of just give up. Like as soon as I heard it, I could feel it. I was like, Oh my God, just give up. And I think all he's saying is like, it's not even like discipline or not discipline or whatever. It's just quit in the head, trying to figure out what to do next. Right. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. And as soon as I settled there, I felt so much better. Um, I mean, I still, I mean, it's not like I popped right into Samadhi or something, but I, I felt, um, I don't know. I just felt like it was a message really for me. And it just, it, I feel like through, the give up and not figuring out a way forward. Like there was all of a sudden a way flow, a way forward. It's very weird. So what you described, I mean, you had the awakening in the physical body. And one of the things I got a lot of validation on is, um, with that podcast today is wanting to, there's, 
tons of people who have had a physical body awakening and then become gurus and they help other people have physical body awakenings and they the difference is i i think is i understand that there's a second death awaiting and I think it, it, it kind of, in a way, just the discipline that we've applied for just maybe knowing things too early. I mean, we have a lot of information, so there's a lot of things that, you know, you can hear that maybe, or I can hear that maybe I'm not necessarily ready to hear. When I listen to that podcast today, I'm like, dang. It's like I'm listening to it for the first time. But six months ago, it was a profound podcast. But now where I'm at, it's like even more profound. So I I, I definitely understand the what Osho's saying. Because it... it Whenever you you talked about discipline, for some reason, I must have had indirect pressure. So when you when you said like you were laying off the discipline a little bit, you know, and you were, you know, I then got more disciplined, but it was natural. Like it was weird. It was like um, it, it was it was something weird that happened. Like there 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 must have been pressure there that I felt you know, I had to do more and then it was more forced instead of natural. And now I've just relaxed a bit to where I just settle in naturally wherever I'm at. And, and the only thing that I've done is just relax and focus on where I know that energy that my awareness needs as far as a further progression. Um, because that's, that's always top of mind. When I hear someone so sincere, like this guy, it just is, it's so inspirational on another level. What I like about this guy too, is in the Gnostics, you know, they can talk about time and, you know, take seven years to become a master or 10 years to become a master. And I've never really thought that, like, I, I, I think, and I know like right now it's to the level of how much I surrender. Like when I was in the bed and I was laying down, I surrendered to the level just enough to see thy will for three seconds. Yeah. And, that, and, and I know it's a, a level of surrender and I like, uh, Osho saying, just give up is like, like punch you in the face or punch me in the gut. Like it is that like the level of, however long it's hold on, like that curtain is there, like that veil is there. And if I surrender just enough, it's opened up, it's opened up. So it's all me. That's, that's always been, and there are some mechanical things that you need to know, like, unless someone taught me that sexual energy is used to fuel your awareness. I, I maybe I would have figured it out after 10 years. I don't know. You know, when you were saying that, I mean, the way that you said that, 
I feel like it's, I mean, I've obviously heard it, but I don't know something about the way that you said that where you're using the energy and like, there's this process where, you know, that's now fueling the awareness, like something clicked there that I, from what you said that, um, it's almost, it's weird. Some of these messages, it's just like stuff you have to hear over and over again and then hear at the right time. Yeah, the, the the Gnostic teachings can be intimidating um, because I've always been the guy that's like, I want to learn it on my own. Like you, you got a thousand books for the Gnostics. And if I drive myself crazy, if I started to go like, here's how you do it, like, here's how you do it. I would get I would get too involved in processes like yeah. it would it would end me. So to do it and then turn on a podcast and understand that, yeah, there's not much to it but to surrender and know where the energy comes from. That's it. You got to know what fuels your awareness and you got to surrender. And that's, that's in whatever, whatever religion you are, whatever I, we have a Christianity background. So when I'm, when I'm meditating and I'm surrendering, you know, I'm, I'm saying things like thy will and no, you know, I'm, I'm knocking at the door. I'm, I'm, I'm outwardly stating that, you know, I'm looking at the curtain. I'm knocking at the door. I'm I'm here. Uh, there's no like frustration, but I am projecting out like this is it. I know it's it. What do I got to do? But now I know where the energy comes from, and I think mechanically we can get into like how do I get that energy up? And I don't think it's that it that that's it at all. Like energy. If I'm focused on my root, it's buzzing. If I couple that with my awareness, I'm fueling it. Plain and simple. Say that again. So if I'm focused on my root, like right now when I'm talking to you, yeah, I'm able to talk to you and focus on my root at the same time. It's buzzing. Mm hmm. If I wasn't talking to you and I was meditating, I would be silent. My mind's eye would still be turned on and I'd still be aware of my root. So with those two things working as though I'm talking to you and my root is humming, I'm doing that in tandem, right? Yeah. So if I wasn't talking, I'd just be silent and I'd be looking through my mind's eye, but I would be giving it fuel. And I'm not trying to do anything forceful like up the spine, although you can, when you're doing that, realize that it starts to pulsate. And like this thing is kind of it's kind of moving, you know. What about like flexing or relaxation? Is it always relaxation? Like when you're originally putting your awareness there, is that relaxed state? Yeah. It's actually, I, I've realized at night, it's one of those things like like your jaw or like your eyes. Like it's one of those last things to actually relax, I found. Yeah. Like you, it, you don't even realize like you still are a little bit clenched. And then you can like, like we were talking last week, when you get deeper and deeper in relaxation, like that will the root does seem to have some clicks of relaxation 
that you really kind of have to work towards. Yeah. And for me, if I can separate like my physical body, like your physical brain wants to think that you can move energy and it becomes like an effort thing. But if you're say I'm aware of my root and it's humming and then I become aware of my lower back. Well, right now, as I'm talking to you, the energy from my root just moved to my lower back. Right. So it's not like, I mean, it's your awareness moves the energy. Right. Then it sounds simple, but you know, I've been guilty of uh, say guilty. It's a bad word, but I'm it's, it's all good, but I'm saying there is no like forcing energy. Like for example, this guy, <laughs> this guy was like explaining the Kundalini, and it's beautiful. Like he did, he obviously was focusing energy, but it, it didn't happen at the time he expected. This excruciating pain said it felt like this hot bullet or whatever, you know, going up to his head and. Uh, out the crown of his head and it, it wasn't even a time that he expected it. So it's not, it, it's, it's not even something that I think I'm going to manifest during meditation, but I think it's going to happen at any day, yeah. any day. If the, if the awareness is there and you're focusing on it and I've had some, I don't, I think I've asked you this before, but I've had some intense backward action from my growing area couple times in my life like some serious where i was like ah it's like what was that right. and i have no idea what it was at the time but when i hear people like him who are so authentic and he describes it i'm like holy cow so i yeah. I, I know it's only a, a matter of um time but i'm just happy with the curtain being pulled back and, and those things are still Im- imprinted on my mind to where I, again, I'm, I'm just going to keep relaxing and keep surrendering in, in that, um, in that state. And that's, that's all I think is needed. I mean, that is the discipline, but it's not discipline. Right. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff, man. So we originally wanted to talk about Holy Hill. We got 22 minutes or so to finish that. Do you want to go? Yeah. 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 It's just, uh, it was a, it was a good documentary. It, it, um, it's definitely a bit disturbing. I mean, he's certainly, uh, a cult leader. Um, certainly a cult leader. I mean, full on on the manipulation. I mean, lots of sexual abuse and, uh, I mean, huge narcissism, like what we were just talking about with the egos. I mean, you can see like an out of control ego. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny because like you have, I mean, you imagine people and 
you know, you have like your sad version and you have like your mad version, your angry version. And you can like imagine these things like all on like taking turns on a stage. But then there's these characters that like the entire stage and the entire theater like becomes the ego. And they can just bring up emotions at will for manipulation purposes. And I mean, this guy was, was definitely on display with a lot of that stuff. It was, um, I mean, pretty intense. I don't know how he's doing it. I didn't feel like the documentary was uh, super informative in terms of like what his actual practice was. Kind of reminds me of Wild Wild Country. There's not a lot of his talk. There is some. You get a couple of um, short things that he said. But, I mean, a lot of it, I just, it's almost completely unfair because it seemed like he was drugging people and it seemed like he was actually having private uh, hypnotherapies with people. And I mean, when you put those two things together with a maniacal ego cult leader like that, I mean, it's like anything's possible in terms of his manipulation. Yeah. So we're talking about holy hell on uh, Amazon Prime Video. It Did you watch it with anyone? Yeah, with Beck. Did, I mean... This is what always gets me, like, when I see that guy, like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see what this guy's emanating. Like, it's very, like, when you look at him, you're like, this guy's operating from an incorrect place. You can tell. Yeah, Beck said he looked creepy right away. That's what I'm saying, like, creepy. Like, the visual, like, he's not a bad-looking guy, but the creepiness comes from his energy field. Mm-hmm. like his his energy was creepy mm-hmm. um but it's the only documentary that i've seen with there's always some type of indoctrination where the someone uses a book or you know and i guess it's somewhat like him but i always saw it as like this person that actually used spiritual tool that maybe had an awakening that then learned how things worked and then went the total opposite way. Like if I wanted to use all the knowledge that I, and I just went out to Wyoming and um, used all the knowledge I had and just, started going that direction. I think it could be a pretty powerful thing based on the knowledge that I have. I mean, you could, uh, I think you could elevate yourself. I I feel like that's what that guy did. Like he used, um, experiences that he may have had spiritually, but then exploited those, which like I always use the example of David Koresh, like he's like three dimensional like pure and simple, like he used the Bible and, you know, the whole I'm closer to God thing and, um, you know, polygamy and, and 
three-dimensional God laws. It looked like he used higher dimensional spiritual stuff that he had learned, but it went totally wrong. Yeah, that's what I meant. Because I mean, I was thinking that too going into it, but then when they started talking about drugs, and then they started talking about like the hypnotherapy sessions. I mean, in his personal case, what was he going on? But in terms of like how he was converting his congregation, because they seemed to be having like experiences, like mystical experiences. Which, I mean, and that's what we were talking about when we were talking about like DMT and stuff. It's like if you are having, and this even goes to like the Nexium cult, like uh, um, Keith uh, Ranieri was doing some of this where people are having experiences. This is, and I think there's a massive danger to having experiences and when you're not ready for them, I think there's a danger in just like, um, um, let's say, entertaining drug experiences. And then there's like another level of danger if there's somebody right there afterwards to like pick up the pieces and manipulate. Like that's, I mean, there's no getting out of that. And I mean, that's why he was able to have sex with straight men. Be, I mean, because there would be no limitations to his manipulation at that point. But in terms of how did he get there and how, what, what what was he operating with? Yeah, it seems like it seems like he had his own experiences. And I mean, we've talked about this many times, like, what is that like? how could somebody turn in the other direction? How, how do you get shown a little bit behind the curtain? I mean, with, with that type of experience, you've, you have to understand a little bit about karma at that point. And to just turn around and go towards torture and pain is just like holy cow how how is that possible uh i was you know something popped into my head you know incarnating the christ or you know christifying your soul or uh, the solar body is it possible to anti-christify yourself because what someone like what you just said that's not in his that's not in his alphabet like the level of narcissism is embodied him yeah so is he anti christified himself i mean is that ultimately what an antichrist is when you go uh, that true exploitation true narcissism like through and through in your bones is that christifying in that other direction because you're not you're if that guy's not hearing anything of what you just said like he's not right. he, that's not even you you it's like you would be talking a different language. Like he's past the point of even seeing he's ultimately blind, but he has some kind of power from the anti Christification. Yeah. And it, yeah, for somebody who is understands so much how they couldn't 
then uh, it reminds me so much of Aleister Crowley where, you know, you're, you're a medium, like you're writing down like this demonic universal force, but it's coming through you. Like the ego coming through you is, has dwarfed everything inside of you. So like Aleister Crowley and then this guy in uh, the Holy Hell cult, they are in a cult. The cult leader is their ego. They're trapped in there. Like it's, it's expanded too much. And the narcissism, once, once it expands like that and all it does, cause that's what the Aleister Crowley thing, what that was so revealing, like it, all it acknowledges is itself. It just says over and over, I am all that is. It's just me. There's because it's gotten so big. There's nothing else there. And then it assumes that it's God. Because it can't find anything above it. And that full on narcissism then is manifested out through its actions in the 3D. I mean, it's impressive. That's what we keep talking about when we're examining like these different states of consciousness and like what you would need to be afraid of. Like just the same way that consciousness and awareness expands and expands past its own limitations of self and ends up merging into something much bigger than it and now can understand and see things for the betterment of everything. That same process is so close to skipping that part and just the ego expanding all on its own. And they're so in, in it's it's just like a little bit of a difference. You see what I mean? Like that, that ego will just expand and expand and expand. And now it's the stage, it's it's the theater, it's all the actors, it's all contained with within that ego. And that ego is him or that ego is Aleister Crowley or that ego is whatever the, the other maniacal narcissist is. It's um It, it's hard to even imagine the, the karmic damage that's being done with that kind of fractal process. You know, we see it as like breaking ourselves smaller and smaller, but like to have one of those pieces quickly expand and then think it's God, like, man. Well, obviously, that's what the documentaries are about. They can do some damage. Yeah, and it brings to mind Samuel and Weir. Like, was do you talk about the karma thing? And didn't he like discover discover in the astral that in a past life he was some kind of bad bad person? Was yeah. What what was was it? Wasn't it like a cult leader or something? Something crazy. I mean, there's was it? so I, many of I them. I remember. End up... It was like, 
or he was like a ruler in the um he found out he was like uh a god in the lower astral realms yeah which he had accomplished mo- so much in the lower the hell realms or what you would say and he ascended right. just like the christ ascended yeah. like jesus christ having the um when he ascended he brought so many people uh with him because he had so much power in the hell realms of the astral yeah yeah that i mean where we're at when we just look at it from like three dimensions on on our human level brain it uh it looks awful but in those two circumstances it turned out pretty damn good i mean in the end game as far as like uh everyone being on the path uh you know there's things that happen in this life that we can't really explain and don't really have an answer to three dimensionally, but understanding those two lives seem to have a pretty good ending. Yeah. I mean, that's what we can always take comfort in. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, to what level you try to splinter yourself or fracture yourself off from the whole. I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, everything is it. So, I mean, it, and the karmic law, I mean, works in the exact way that you're talking about. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very comforting thought to just bear witness and, It's it's almost like it doesn't matter what you do, you're gonna serve you're gonna serve the Lord one day anyway, you know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I I was thinking when they were in the water and I've had experiences in life when you go away with a group and it's like just the fact that you take a bunch of people, peers, you know, twenties, thirties, you take them out of society and you put them in like a place that's isolated, but it's got trees around mountains, whatever river, fresh flowing river. That is like an awakening in itself. I don't know if you ever remember being pulled out of society and going on like a group trip and the way you feel is like, it's kind of euphoric like you're out of the rat race and you're in that in itself i think aids in the cult leader because if you're you have any ounce of knowledge about you know what you're capable of and how you could exploit the truth and you you're able to get people out of the rat race like that's like the first step because now love it's almost natural like the love thing like people are just in you know water and they're 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 out of the stresses of life and they're basically going back to like adam and eve like 
you have reduced the thoughts that cause suffering immediately when you take yourself out and put yourself in, you know, that that's why a lot of people do retreats. Right. I mean, you're going to just that flight out of your normal life is some of awakening because as soon as you get into that scenery and you don't have the stress of your life, it's kind of euphoric in itself. It's like a natural meditation. Now you got some leader who you deem as authentic and possibly giving him credit for this euphoric feeling. And then, you know, him just running with it. It's just, it startled me. Like even through all that, if you just look at the guy, like it's creepy, it's creepy. Like how do you not see like the creepiness? Yeah, he. It was many times where the camera caught him just changing faces, mm-hmm. and that's the one that got me. I was like, "Yeah, that's anybody that's changing their face to that degree, that quickly." I mean, he's just showing you. He's showing you the egos popping in and out, and I, it was funny because there was one where he's confronted by somebody who's been out for a long time and uh, ends up finding him again. But now I think wants to confront him as understanding how bad he's been victimized. And so there's this face to face confrontation and the cult leader just goes, I mean, it's really a lot of it is he just knows when to shut up. Like, if you look at where the manipulation lied, all he had to do is not say anything at that moment. And that's kind of goes to what you were talking about before, like how skillful he is with some of the principles that are legit principles. Like, he went completely non-reactive when he needed to and just stared him back in the eye. And the guy was just left there in his own victimhood. I mean, it's a to look at somebody like that and not even, um, you know, leak some remorse for like what you know you did to this guy, but he's able to just go pure, non reactive, silent when he needed to. Yeah, that's ex- that's exploiting what the knowledge that he has yeah, in the other direction. That's him just completely. Yeah. And I, I mean, not, not that I'm a cult leader, but I've seen that in my life. Like when I, because I meditated such a young age and had that awakening and then, you know, backed off and went dormant a little, I knew like spiritual laws. So, you know, if, if you were to get in, some type of disagreement with your wife, I know how to make her head boil and she knows how to make my head boil. But when you're dormant, you're kind of using those. And I guess that's kind of the definition of passive aggression, Um, but it's done. It's a little different than that a a little slightly, Um, but it doesn't work. Or, I mean, if you have any conscience at all, you understand, like, whoa, like, what am I doing here? Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
That's what I'm saying. Like when I, too, when we were talking earlier, when I went dormant, I still, I, I didn't unlearn anything I knew. So even if I inflated the ego or became reactive again, I still understand how everything worked. So if I'm, right. if I have a more inflated ego, I still know what works and doesn't work. So it's really screwy, especially if you're non-reactive, but you don't have the right energy. It's a, yeah. it's really an ugly thing to do because it's, it's the incorrect energy going back to the person. Right. And it's, I mean, in your ego, you think it's effective, right? But it's not. Well, that's where that compassion and, and the love comes in. I mean, if you, if you're doing it and you can feel it in your heart that. Yeah. That's true compassion. You're, you're, your state is compassion. Then you know, you're in the clear, but if you're doing it and it's getting tactical, then it's already yep. wrong. And that not just that documentary, but a lot of the cult leader stuff, like as I'm watching them, like I get caught in um, understanding my own, like not, not on some kind of like parallel level. Cause I mean, my life is, is just my family and like a quiet work life. I mean, I don't talk to a whole lot of people I'm not, I don't mean to make comparisons to a cult leader, but I know on the inside, like the way that we understand the egos, like it's, it's a, it's a system of hierarchy, just like the way that we understand hell and demons. It's a system of hierarchy. There's lieutenants and then there's grunts. And then there's, there's all types of people in between and everything is vying for center stage. Like that's what everything wants is center stage. Why do they want center stage? It's because of what you said earlier. Like when the awareness comes on center stage, where's all that energy going? To whatever ego is on center stage. But to manage that whole system that we have inside of us, we create a cult leader to keep shit under control. But I'm not, I don't have a cult outside but it's all in here. And that's where I always see that like, Oh my gosh, like there's this big one that is now uses these principles, but the only people that he's ma manipulating are these inner ego people. Oh,